Welcome to the Learner's Corner Podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Kayla Mason. My name is Todd Hicksonball. And today we are going to be learning about the power of story, which if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, is one of our favorite things to talk about. We love learning from people's stories. And today we're actually going to look at just the concept of story itself. And we're going to be learning from Marva Hoops. But before we talk about that some more, we want to let you know about a sponsor for the podcast called the Together Conference. So Together Conference is a group of people who have decided that enough's enough and that they want to be able to see their community change. Uh, Citizens Akron Church, it's in Akron, Ohio, they are putting on a conference that is called Together Conference. And so what they're looking to do is to begin to have hard conversations about what it will take and what it looks like for racial reconciliation and conciliation to begin to happen in neighborhoods. Now you might be thinking, if it's happening in Akron, Ohio, that's not really relevant to me if I'm living in Idaho. Well, that's actually not accurate at all because the principles and things that they're going to be talking about and discussing are relevant to all contexts. And so it's going to be a phenomenal conversation to really get things moving and to jumpstart people into action and beginning to think with new, uh, to beginning to think and to see with new eyes this issue um, that, that really has been taking, that's really been taking place. And you can actually go on in, into the show notes or you can check out our Instagram and social media pages where you can click a link to be able to go and grab tickets, uh, tickets from there. And so I, I would encourage you to go and check it out. They are going to be having a couple of featured uh, artists and people there. So it's a conference first and then there's a concert that's happening later that night. And so they have people like Propaganda, who is a spoken word hip hop artist. They have Taylor Gray. They, who are also, those two are also going to be doing actual breakouts and sessions at the conference. And, and so that'll be going on. There's Brian Kunkler. I just saw that uh, Corey Hunka, one of my friends, Corey, is going to be talking there. It's going to be a phenomenal day. It's going to be a great time of, of learning and being able to begin to hear other perspectives that we might not be always introduced to or comfortable with. Yep. It's going to be a great conference. And at least for us, anytime that we've had you know, conversations on the podcast about um, race and diversity and everything. I've always walked away learning a ton. And I know that if you go to the conference as well, you won't regret it because you'll end up um, expanding your perspective a lot more. But today on the podcast, we are talking with Marva and Todd knows Marva very well. So Marva was one of my professors at Malone. Marva has a uh, what do they call it? It's an EDD. It's not a PhD. It's an EDD. It's basically the same thing. It's a, it's a, it's a she's a doctor, except she doesn't prescribe medicine. Um, and it is in educational ministries. And so basically, she is um, an expert in all things teaching, uh, teaching kids. And so she is the professor that's in charge of the entire educational ministries program at Malone University. And she is an experienced children's pastor of about 30 years. And she was before that in a school teacher. She was an elementary school teacher. And so she's dedicated her life to children and to learning about how to teach them better. And so she is just the perfect person for us to talk to about story. Marva's stories that I've heard her tell over the years now of me knowing her have been so impactful because she's a master at it. This is a master weaving their craft in special, special ways. And so that's why we felt so privileged to be able to talk to her about it because, hey, 
Um, how cool is it to be able to talk to somebody who is this high level at talking about story? Now, Marva's also interesting because her, her, her dissertation that she wrote for her, 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 doc, her doctoral dissertation is on story. And as a matter of fact, it's called The Power of Story. And so we're so thrilled to be able to talk with Marva, and we've just, we've, we just can't even tell you how fun this is going to be for you to be able to hear just the, just the truth and the practical insights that Marva has to give you today. And we're going to join our conversation about the power of story with Marva right now. Well, welcome to the podcast, Marva Hoops. We're so glad to have you on the Learner's Corner today. Thank you. We're really excited to talk with Marva about um, story. As uh, many of you know, you know one of the things that we love uh, talking about on this podcast is all sorts of different stories and learning from people's stories. And so today on the podcast, we decided to talk about the actual concept of story. And to do that, we're talking with Marva. And so the way that we just wanted to you know, um, kind of start um, this interview is with Marva just telling us a story. Right. On the plains of Kansas, a little town of Haviland, small community of farmers, students, and educators. My grandfather, Scott Clark, was the president of Friends Bible College, later called, Bi called Barclay College. Anyone who's lived in Kansas is familiar with tornado season occurring in the spring with frightening regularity. And the barren plains dotted with level fields of wheat and corn seem to invite raging warm winds from the southwest. They collide with colder northern currents resulting in tornadoes. So as a means of survival, farmers built storm cellars or caves on their property. And these provided a safe haven during storms and sometimes a cool place for food to be stored during the hot summertime. Well, with the safety of the community in mind, the City Council of Haviland had devised this warning system, which was to be used for emergencies, such as tornadoes or fire or other potential disasters. Well, one day in June in 1928, a loud siren went off warning the whole town to seek shelter during a tornado funnel which had been sighted west of town. Haviland was in the path of the twister. Grandma hurriedly rounded up all of her six children and they ran three blocks to great-grandpa's house. Grandma hurriedly rounded up the children and they descended into the storm cellar. Other neighbors joined, filling the cave to capacity. Being one of the youngest, my mother was pushed back into the corner of the cold concrete walls to wait out the storm. Great-grandpa and grandma assured everyone that they would keep watch in the front of the house, and if the tornado hit the grain elevators some ten blocks away, then they would join us. Aware of the potential danger, great-grandpa realized that his only weapon was prayer. Oh, God, he prayed. Spare us from this disaster. This school located here is founded to glorify you, a seed of your planting. So if it be your will, please deliver us from this tornado. Grandma told the family later that at that very moment, the tornado funnel suddenly turned southward 
into a field a mile south of town. There the fierce wind spent itself out and no harm was done. Both the school and the town were saved from destruction in a clear answer to prayer. It was an experience they all would never forget. An experience my mother had deeply experienced and shared with us many years later. An experience that impressed on us the power of prayer. The value of story. Wow. That's, that's, it's powerful. Very. Because, you know, I think sometimes, and I think we underestimate it a little bit, of, you know, we hear, we hear a story and, you know, we tend to associate that with kids <laughs> a lot. But it's not just for kids. It affects literally everything. Books, movies. I like stories a lot. TV shows. TV shows, stories, yeah. But stories, you know, I, I like reading Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't know what to say to that. <laughs> well, that's what makes books and movies so popular is that they are stories. Right. And they're, they're, they're different medium of stories, but they're basically stories. Mm-hmm. So t- tell us a little bit about your history with story, Marvel. Like, what made you get interested in you know, learning about story and different stories. Well, my dad was a great storyteller. He would tell bedtime stories. In fact, one of my favorites that he would tell um, kind of on a continuum was a little boy that had a dog named Hippopotamus. And uh, he would have great adventures with Hippopotamus. And and one of the favorites was uh, the teacher would have a show-and-tell time and, and the kids could bring... A pet named, and he wanted to bring his dog Hippopotamus to for show and tell. And the teacher would say, "Oh no, you can't bring Hippopotamus to school." And well, it went on from there. Um, anyway, my my grandma was also a great storyteller. And while snapping beans on the back porch, or picking cherries or grapes, or making crafts in the basement, she would tell stories. And she would tell family stories, but she'd also tell missionary stories or Bible stories. And Make them come alive. And then when I had to choose a topic for my doctoral dissertation, they said to choose something that I was really interested in. And so I thought about story. Mm-hmm. And I realized that as a children's pastor, I had spent much of my time developing stories. As a curriculum writer, I'd spent many hours refining stories for others to relate. And, and I wondered, what was all that time I'd spent on story time well spent or was it just something we'd done because we'd always done that was it just something we'd repeated so I spent a great deal of time of research on story of its power its effect its its influence on children and on people in general and I found it's really pretty amazing mm-hmm. what would have been you know you talked about um, one of your favorite stories with hippopotamus. What are what, like? What are some of your other favorite stories? Oh wow, that that's like asking which of your children are your most favorite children. No, uh, <laughs> I'll put a qualifier. What are some of your favorite stories? Okay, that, that's better. You, you know, a few years ago at Christmas, my my niece asked me to give her a list of my favorite books that I've had over there have had an influence on me over the years and. 
so I sat down and I took it seriously and I went through my library and, and looked at books that I've looked at over the years and, and I made a, a whole list of, of books that I've read over the years and have loved. And I, I typed it out, put it on really nice stationery, and then I went to online sites, I went to used bookstores, and I bought as many of these books that I could and, and found them and, and put them in a big box and gave them to her for Christmas. But here are some of the ones that, that I've, I've listed. And these are, are books, yes, but they're, they're stories. So mm-hmm. uh, like for kids, I, I listed the, the Chronicles of Narnia, of course. Um, uh, Madeline Langle is a favorite author of mine, mm-hmm. the Wrinkle of Time books. Um, John White is a great author, The Tower of Geburah. Um, he has a whole series of those. And for younger children, the Adam Raccoon books are great oh, ones. Yeah. Um, the Tale of Three Trees are, are some great books there. Then for adults, um, the Ted Decker series, he's got black, red, white, great, great books. Um, I'm a John Grisham fan, so I like The Firm. His earlier books are my favorite, The Firm, The Pelican Brief, The Client. The Testament, Skipping Christmas. Um, I like Watership Down, um, mm. Richard Adams. Um, then Philip Gulley's written some great ones. Um, Harmony, At Home in Harmony, Hometown Tales, For Everything a Season. Uh, James Harriet's written some great uh, animal series, All Creatures Great and Small, All Things Bright and Beautiful. A, a book that really influenced me to go into teaching was Christie by Catherine Marshall. It's an older book, but about a teacher that goes into the Appalachian uh, Mountains. Um, really, it was developed into a TV series back in the, oh, maybe the 80s or 90s. Uh, then an older series of books by Lloyd Douglas, The Robe and The Big Fisherman were some great ones. Um, oh, so many. Uh, the Blue Bottle Club, A Girl Named Zippy, uh, Mrs. Polifax Mysteries, um, Mortal Lessons, Lessons to a Young Doctor by Richard Seltzer. Uh, then there's some uh, missionary books uh, through Gates of Splendor. Elizabeth Elliot has written some great ones. Uh, Rochunga Pudaiti, God's Tribeman, Beyond the Next Mountain. Um, missionary biographies are great ones mm-hmm. uh, to read. Um, each denomination has their missionary heroes that are, are great to read, uh, that are very powerful. Um, I like to read books in other places, other times, uh, church history. Those are great ones, too. Mm-hmm. So talk, talk to us a little bit about the power of story. Like, why... Why is it that story seems to connect with us on such a different level? And why does it have such a powerful impact on us? I am so glad you asked that. (laughs) In my research that I did for my doctoral dissertation, I found empirical studies that showed evidence that story has the power to affect the human personality at deep levels. Mm. So as I was looking for evidence that story has the power, and trying to figure out how to organize this, I stumbled on Jesus' words in Luke 10, 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I realized that this verse encompasses the totality of human experience. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, that's the affective domain. 
the emotions, the values, the attitudes. With all your soul, that's the spiritual domain, your, your um, relationship with God. With all your strength, there's the behavioral domain, your actions, what we do, how we behave, our might. And with all your mind, there's the cognitive do domain, our thoughts, our intellect. And then loving your neighbor as yourself, there's the social domain, your relationships with others, the self, the concept. And I found that research has been done to quantify the effect of story to help people in the affective domain, to help people face difficult uh, times, to support children dealing with loss, with grief, with illness, to help children develop values and moral reasoning. I found some research that showed the effect in the spiritual domain. Stories from mission fields can give inspiration, play a part in the formation of children's worldview. Stories can help give direction for life. Stories can be used to encourage forgiveness, can help with healing. There, there was a great study that showed how people sharing stories in Africa after the genocides that had happened there, people sat around and shared their stories and brought healing and forgiveness um, af after they had uh, gone through these horrible experiences. And sharing their stories was able to bring them to a place where they could forgive. Mm -hmm. um, then uh, share, share, uh, sharing stories helped in the behavioral domain. Uh, as Bible stories are heard and internalized, children's behavior was actually affected. Stories told in Christian edge settings had lasting effects in the behavioral domain. I found a research that shared how the cognitive domain was affected. Uh, learning history and extended knowledge. Children were able to learn tenets of the faith through story. And I found how research showed story learned to um, identify with others in environments that were different from their own. And they could even identify with others that maybe had um, different disabilities or the understanding the need for justice in society. So what gives story its power? Story affects the whole person. As faith grows holistically, it becomes transforming in all areas of life. So story affects the whole person. That's what gives it its power. Mm -hmm. So why, I mean, you may have already answered this a little bit, but why, why is it so important for people to use stories? You know, especially, like I'll, like I'll hear this sometimes whenever, um, you know, people are reading books and you know for the most part they'll 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 skip they'll try to skip the stories and they're just like just give me just give me the facts you know just give me the plain information why is it so important for people to actually use stories like whenever communicating though well one one thing also that psychology tells us is that when something goes into long-term memory best is when it's associated with deep emotion mm. and so when a story affects you emotionally, then it's going to go into long-term memory. And so when, I mean, when, think about it, when you hear a sermon 
and what is it that you remember the most? Do you remember the the facts that are coming? Well, yeah, sometimes. But often what you remember is the story that touched your heart, mm-hmm. that, that really uh, was, affected you emotionally. That, that deep emotion that was touched is what you'll remember. And so that's <laughs> one reason why it's important to use stories. Um, another thing is uh, Robert Wuthnow wrote a great book called Growing Up Religious in which he um, studied, did a study of over 200 people that grew up in religious families. Um, and, and he actually looked at uh, Protestant, Catholic, and Jewish families and lo- looked at families where uh, there was a continuum of faith and said, what is it that helps faith be transferred in these families? And what he found was that in families where there was this uh, passing on of the faith, the baton of faith, what, what really made a difference is when grandparents and parents and children w- sat around and told stories mm-hmm. of the faith, that that made a, a huge difference. When they would sit around in family gatherings and tell stories, that those stories helped pass on the continuum of faith, the, the family beliefs, the family faith. And so telling the story of one's upbringing, the spiritual journey is a way of making sense of one's life experiences, of their spiritual pursuit. In fact, he concludes that parents and grandparents are the key to survival of spirituality in America. <laughs> Can you believe that? that? That it is the generational impact. And so as we give spiritual practices an important place in the home, and in the, our uh, places of faith, that effectiveness of values is shaping the lives of children. And it makes sense. In fact, it's scriptural. When we look at Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 7, when the Lord says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Impress these things on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. It's scriptural. That's Mm -hmm. what the Lord intended for us to do. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he won't depart from it. That's interesting, too, because just the other day, um, I realized that my mom had never really talked to me a whole lot before about, you know, she talked to me a lot about when she was a teenager going to church camps and stuff, but I didn't really know what her spirit, like, her spiritual life looked like when she was like my age, like when she was in her twenties, like before she met dad and before all that happened. And so I asked her, I said, can you just tell me a little bit about like what you, like you in your twenties? And she just began to tell me stories of, of her, you know, being involved in like a young adult group that she was in and just different things that she did. And some of, uh, some of the work that she did and how she, you know, during that time really began, my mom was a teacher. And so how she really began to refine some things that she did. And just she was telling these stories. And I, it was funny because I knew that she was a teacher. I knew that, you know, generally during that time, that's what she did. But she, I, I began to connect stories with it. And it made it so much more impactful. And I understood her better 
And it was because she began to connect stories and tell me stories about it. Exactly. So I totally understand what you're saying when you when you talk about how, you know, faith is passed on or, or just really anything is passed on really well. It's usually done through story. Mm-hmm. And I think about like the my favorite pastors. They're really good storytellers. Right. Like they're really good storytellers. I was even thinking about that, you know, with my dad. And, you know, he's he's, you know, talked with me about a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said, you know, and taught me a lot of lessons. But I think one of the biggest ones that, you know, he's taught me is that, Caleb, nobody can ruin your life except for you. Because mm-hmm. nothing, nothing surprises God. And so you're the only one who can hinder your or his path for your life. And I remember that, you know, a couple of things that he's, uh, that has stuck with me is because he said, you know, here's why I want you to know that. One is because, you know, that's, that was true for Caleb and Joshua in the book of Numbers, you know, whenever they're, I'm getting ready to go into the promised land. They were still able to go into the promised land and that nothing hindered them. And he said, that's why you're named Caleb. Because Caleb was from a different spirit. And then he told me another story about, you know, kind of some stuff that he went through um, whenever he was, or I guess he's still the pastor, but whenever he was a pastor early in his days and of how, um, you know, the the board made a decision that he um, wasn't super thrilled about. And God was like, this doesn't surprise, like, this doesn't surprise me. Like, Mason, nothing can ruin your life except for you. And like that, I think it's because of those stories of hearing what he went through and then even how I'm attached to it. That's, that's really led to that being like a, a foundational lesson for me mm-hmm. too. Exactly. So what, what would you say are like some key tips to becoming like a, like a good storyteller? Oh. Teach us, please. <laughs> <laughs> Well, to become good at anything, you observe others who are good at it and you watch what they do. So you learn from them. So like I said earlier, my dad and my grandmother were my first mentors in storytelling. So I remember my dad um, telling, giving me tips on good storytelling before I became a teacher. I, I majored in college in elementary education and... He, he said, here are some tips that he gave me before I entered into the classroom. And he said, now, you know, even telling stories in a classroom as a teacher, here are some things that you're going to want to do to keep attention and even using story in the classroom. And here are some things he told me. Always keep good eye contact with the audience. Draw them into the story with your eyes with your face don't be boring then he said have good voice inflection never speak in a monotone voice let your voice rise and fall vary your voice for different characters but be consistent for each character so if you have a certain uh, tone of voice for one character then you keep that tone of voice for one character very the your speed is good for keeping attention so like when I was telling that story about the tornado I slowed down at one point but I got fast when the tornado was coming you know so so you vary your your speed to, to keep keep attention 
Dramatic pauses can be effective, but don't make them too long. (laughs) (laughs) Add sound effect when possible. So, uh, if you're t- especially with children, if you're mm. telling a story mm-hmm. with children, you know, uh, I do this all like, the time. Like I really wanted in that story of the tornado to add so, you know, <laughs> some sound uh, wind, but I didn't. <laughs> um, use colorful, interesting words. So um, it, it's great to throw in some, um, like like the. If you can add some words that that add um, descriptors, uh, mm-hmm. those, those are great words. So so you can have people imagine what what it looked like when when you're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, give your characters personality. So uh, describe them what what it might look like to be there. Um, if you're losing attention of your audience, then whisper, and that will draw them. Sometimes people make the mistake of, of uh, if you're losing attention, to talk louder, and, and they think that. But but sometimes when the this the speaker talks louder, then the audience will talk even louder, just talk over them, and that that isn't true. <laughs> if you talk softer, then then they sometimes we get work quieter. with teenagers. <laughs> we work with teenagers and children. They don't ever talk when they're not supposed to. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so add humor. Humor is good, uh, but but negative humor isn't always good. Negative humor is, is sometimes uh, depletes your message rather than adds to it. What would like what would you classify as negative humor? Um, making fun of something that is supposed to be good or okay. positive, or. Um, uh, especially with children, uh, like uh, it, it would be um, a, a positive trait or a positive thing, um, making that seem like that's not good. I hear this all, a lot with children is don't ever make fun of parents. Yes. Like don't make fun of parents. Yeah, don't make them be the bad guy. And right. that is very popular in like TV, you know, making the dad be the weak bad guy, um, you don't you don't want to do that, mm-hmm. or or make the teacher the bad guy, um, or or the mm-hmm. the one you make fun of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that that's pretty much it. So how how do you see story influencing like culture right now? Oh, story is a huge influence on culture. And some of those things that I just mentioned, like um, the, the, the way I see story as influencing culture are those things that I just mentioned, the, the way that TV has influenced the, like the know-it-all smart-mouthed kid has become the norm in sitcoms and you know and so kids today think that's the cool thing to do you know Mm -hmm. to be smart mouthed Mm -hmm. and and make fun of parents and teachers and authority figures because that's the story that is played over and over again on on disney Mm -hmm. tv and other things I, i don't mean to be painting with such a wide brush but Mm -hmm. 
I see it happening a lot. Right. <laughs> and, and even phrases that become popular, like even things like seriously or whatever, or, you know, <laughs> phrases like that, that, right. that, that become kind of disrespectful. <sighs> Deep sigh. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so for a lot of folks, I think that they, I think that particularly if you're in a position as a teacher or if you work in the church, I think a lot of people want to, they want to get better at telling a story. And so you talked a little bit about the tips, but one of the things that, that I, that I think, and you and I've had discussions about this before is consistently practicing like for people who are telling stories and things, what are what are some things that you found helpful when when practicing and rehearsing and really putting together a story? Are there anything that you've kind of discovered that that worked for you? Uh, one thing that I find helpful is actually writing it out. Write out your story, uh, like the story that I told at the beginning. I wrote it out as if I were going to tell it, and then I actually read it and read it out loud. To myself and hear how it sounds mm -hmm. and then if I as I'm reading it if it if it sounds awkward or if it sounds contrived then I, I can change it right um, and so I practice it and the other thing I try to do is I try to make it sound natural then mm -hmm. as I'm speaking mm -hmm. so as I'm writing it I try to make it sound spoken rather than written right mm -hmm. right because you don't want it to say that you don't like if you're in a room full of children and it sounds like you're reading off of a piece of paper exactly it's going to be kind of dumb for them like they're going to look at you like that's weird okay so just just making sure that it's written out making sure that you're you're looking it over and practicing it listening for things like that with with story um so shifting from from children to, to to adults, is there anything helpful that you found with telling stories um, in the midst of teaching things to adults? Because I think for a lot of folks listening, especially to our episode, they're in a context where you know they might be preaching on Sundays or they're running meetings and stuff like that, where story um, kind of comes into play. Is there anything that you could talk to us about? with with doing story with adults is there anything that you change with that or is it like hey what works for children works for adults too hmm well um often what works with children does work with adults right. <laughs> with adults you can get into more adult type themes um mm -hmm. that you I, sure. I mean, I, there are themes I would not do with children that you can <laughs> right. yeah. do with adults. Um, so there, there is a wider field uh, with adults sure. that can and should be covered. Um, the, I mean, there, there are grand themes and that, that can and should be covered with both children and adults, and Scripture is full of them. Right. Um, so scripture is such a, a treasure trove of uh, great material. You said before in a class that the Bible is, is one of the greatest storybooks. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, our God is a storytelling God. And so scripture is uh, more narrative than it is anything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's up to, up to, I mean, some people claim it's up to 75% narrative. So 
God knew that, and mm-hmm. he put that in our hearts that, that we can take advantage of this great method that he has given us, and he has put that in our hearts so that we can do that. Um, but back to your question, what, what can we do with adults? Um, the, the principle of story is that, that we, pre, you, you present a, a situation and there's a character facing a situation. There's a dilemma. And so you have a character facing a dilemma and you get them up a tree and you throw rocks at them or, or you start sawing off a limb and somehow you make the situation even worse and it seems like nothing's, nothing can happen and then miraculously it's solved or something happens and hooray, there, there's a, a wonderful uh, conclusion. That's a satisfying story. Mm-hmm. People want a story that ends well. Mm-hmm. Sure. If a story doesn't end well, then hopefully there'll be a chapter two or mm-hmm. a continuation. Mm-hmm. Um, if a story doesn't end well, people end like, oh, I, I, I didn't like that story. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the movie Titanic, right? Like, we all hate how that movie ends. Like, I don't know many people who are like, I love the fact that Jack died. Yeah. Most people are like, that was terrible. (laughs) Yeah. But they remember it because it hit deep emotion. Right. Right. Anger and sadness. (laughs) Right. So... I want to ask, is there a difference between, like, have you seen there being a difference, like, whenever you're telling a story between telling a personal story and telling more of, like, a bio, biographical or history story? Does that make sense at all? I, I think there's room for both. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that you have to always tell personal stories because there, there's a wealth of material in history. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a wealth of material in scripture. Um, so don't ever feel like you have to always tell a personal story like, oh, oh man, I have to come up with something. Uh, uh, no, scripture is chock full of great stories. Yeah. You know? So we can, we can uh, glean right. those great stories. And uh, I mean, Jesus was the master storyteller. And, mm-hmm. and if you look back at the stories that Jesus told, were they long? No, they were very short, short and to the point and powerful. Mm -hmm. And he made them up. Yes, he did. (laughs) (laughs) And and to the point. (laughs) So I want to go back to something you said a couple of minutes ago. You know, we talked about story influencing culture. And so what would be, you know, maybe one or two things that we could do to kind of give like a counter narrative? To you know, like, uh, like they're put, like they're pushing this story on us. What are what's one or two things that we can do to kind of, like, almost push back or counteract it? I think any time that we can give our story that gives glory to God, that's a winner. Mm-hmm. 
And we all have a story for God's glory. Uh, one thing our church did a few years ago is that we started giving a platform for people to give my story for God's glory. And it was just telling a, a personal story of how God made a difference in my life, mm. whether it was a personal salvation story mm. or whether it was a personal story of how God intervened in some way that was a miraculous intervention or a way that God had truly made a difference in some way and that was uh, inevitably a, a, an awareness of God working in a life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the world can't argue with that. Mm -hmm. uh, and the world can't uh, deny that. And so what do you do with that? <laughs> it's giving glory to God. Mm -hmm. And so when we can put forth those kinds of stories, what can you do but give glory to God? Mm -hmm. That's a way of pushing back. And it's a way of doing it that is not arrogant. And it's a way of doing it that is um, not defensive. But it's just story. And what is also great about that is that the world loves story. Mm -hmm. And so... It's a win-win. As as uh, as we're wrapping up, you know, Marva, how has story impacted you throughout your life? <laughs> wow, uh, tremendously. I mean, it, it story makes us who we are, mm -hmm. and so uh, I mean, I have family stories that have shaped and and molded me for who I am. Um, I, I have family stories that uh, have molded me. Um, my grandmother tells me the one story. She was ironing one day, and all of a sudden she had a, a tremendous urge to stop ironing and get down on her knees and pray for her son, Glenn. So she did. She put, she put down her iron. She got down on her knees, and for 45 minutes, she prayed for her son, Glenn, who was in the Air Force. This was during World War II. And she prayed for Glenn's safety. He was a pilot in the Air Corps, and she didn't know what was happening. She didn't even know where he was, and prayed for his safety over and over and over again. It was 9.45 in the morning. So... Sometime later, she was talking to him, said, hey, what happened on June 17th at 9.45 in the morning? And he said, wow, funny you should say that. Um, they figured out the time difference. He said, I was just taking off in the plane and there was mud on the wheels. And as I was taking off, I re hadn't realized there was mud on the wheels and I didn't have the necessary lift and I just barely made it off the runway. And if it hadn't been for, I, I don't know what happened, but I just barely made it over the trees. And I, it, it was just a matter of inches. And I, I, I don't know how I made it, but I, I figured the angels were lifting me up over the trees and I could have crashed. 
It was just a matter of inches. She said, really? <laughs> Did you know I was praying for you? He said, no, but I knew God was protecting me. And she, my grandmother said to me, if God ever gives you a burden to pray for somebody, you better pray. Mm-hmm. I have never forgotten that. It molded me, that story. Yeah. Molded me to realize that if God ever impresses me to pray for somebody, I had better do it right then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I have never forgotten that lesson because of the story that Grandma told me. That's an example. Wow. <laughs> well, Marva, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Sure. Todd and I have had a great time talking with you. If people want to learn more from you and learn more about, you know, story, you know, how can they do that? Well, they're welcome to email me. My email is mhoops. That's hoops with an E. So it's M-H-O-O-P-E-S at malone.edu. Um, you're welcome to come to my come classes. Take a class. <laughs> take a class. Um, I teach educational ministry classes at Malone and some gen ed intro to theology classes there. Have some great programs there at Malone University in Canton, Ohio, and would love to have you sit in on those classes and welcome you to Malone. It's a great place. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us today, Marva. Sure thing. Glad to do it. I think one of the things that Marva really made me think about was just the idea of no matter what I'm doing is how can I incorporate stories, whether it's communicating people, whether it's celebrate communicating with people or celebrating things or vision casting, just the idea of how can I add stories in there to engage people more. And that's what I challenge uh, you with is thinking about what are the ways in which I can add story into what I'm doing in order to better engage people. Now, on the next episode of the Learner's Corner podcast, we are going to be talking with Stuart Hall. I'm so excited to talk with Stuart Hall. Besides the fact that he's going to be who I will be when I'm 50, Stuart is a speaker, communicator, and a person who is just really smart when it comes to talking to other people about stuff. Yep, and we talked with him really about being being a speaker and some of the skills that he's developed, how he's grown as a communicator. And some of you may know that he also speaks to high school students. And so we even asked him some tips on communicating to students and how you can continue to improve as a communicator. So if you communicate people to people, make sure that you don't miss next week's episode. And the best way to make sure that you don't miss next week's episode is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever podcast player you use. Also, leave us a rating and write a review. We like reviews. We like ratings. Yeah. So thanks so much for listening to the Learner's Corner this week. Next week, we will have Stuart Hall on. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing. And buy tickets to Together Conference. Deuces.